Welcome to The Supporting Cast, a podcast about learning technology and learning management systems brought to you by those on the front line supporting LMS admins. Today we have with us Campbell McMillan. Welcome, Campbell. Hello, Cynthia. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much for joining us. I have Campbell, our Chief Learning Officer from Thinking Cap with us today to talk about SCORM. Campbell, can you kick us off by telling us a little bit about your background with Thinking Cap and what you do here? Sure. So I've been with Thinking Cap 20 years now, which seems like five days ago. Mm-hmm. Started here. Uh, time flies when you're having fun, I guess. I started actually uh, background in graphic design and then switched to programming early on, but 25, 26 years ago. And I've been in e learning probably most of that time, 23 years. And I came over to Thinking Cap when they started to build an LMS and took my experience from past jobs with me. So I've been here since the beginning. Great. So you've seen SCORM and its various versions all along. Uh, Yeah, AICC before that. SCORM 1.2, 2004, the whole whole shebang. Well, To be perfectly honest, it was a new term for me. I'm learning about it, but I'm hoping you can share mostly for me, but also, I suppose, (laughs) our audience, a little bit of background, what SCORM is, what it's an acronym for. Every time we have a podcast, we like to educate our learners with a new acronym or new buzzwords. So yeah, tell us, what is SCORM? Yeah, so SCORM, Shareable Content Object Repository Model. Basically, a bunch of guys with long beards sitting around, academic types, <laughs> came up with a, a, a protocol or a specification for sharing content in learning management systems. So SCORM defines things like how your content is sequenced, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, our clients know what a manifest file is. It's the package you upload to your LMS, and it has a inside there's a manifest that says these are all the topics. Um, I'll just start using layman's terms. Mm -hmm. These are all the topics that my course has, and this is how they're sequenced. But it also defines the protocol for the communication between the course and the learning management system. So sending scores back and forth, retrieving data, so from the the object model itself, and sort of the, the communication layer, and how things roll up. So if I complete something, you know, does that roll up to my completion? Or, you know, is it optional? Is it weighted? Are there objectives inside content? It's all defined in the SCORM specification. SCORM 1.2 versus SCORM 2004. Is there a difference? What's the difference? There is. The biggest difference, I mean, the the API changed slightly. It's really just more sort of the nomenclature that, that you use for getting and setting values, the objects themselves. The biggest difference was SCORM 2004 expanded the data model. So there's more trackable items in 2004 than 1.2. 2004 expanded things like, it separated completion and success, right? 1.2, things could be pass, fail, complete, or incomplete. Got it. Right? You know, not attempted as well. Yeah. Um, Now we've separated that. So in 2004, you can be completed and failed. So you can have, both can be true, right? They're they're two different objects in the model. More tracking of like things like progress measure. I can say that I'm 50% through a lesson or or 
you know, an item inside a course, or I can track the progress measure in objectives. So I could say that this course has 50 objectives and I could say for each objective, how far I've gone through to completing that objective where you didn't have that in 1.2. So it's just really more granular, more and more, more data to track. Uh, do you anticipate yet another upgrade when, no? Eventually, it's yeah. like any other system. I mean, so Tin Can came out, everybody's yeah. been talking about Tin Can, right? That's what, seven years now it's been out. The uptake has been slow. Mm-hmm. Like any other, whether you're in e-learning or you're in a financial institution, you go to your boss and say, I want to upgrade the system to this new system. They're going to say no. Yeah. The cost is is huge. It's not even the cost. It's just, I've got all this content. I've got all this data, right? We have to migrate this or we have to translate it back and forth. It's just, it's just a big... So it remains the industry standard. Score for sure. It's yeah. still the industry standard. The concept of Tin Can or XAPI is mm-hmm. great. It simplifies things. What we find is when we go to customers, they say, oh, we want to go to XAPI. And we go, okay, great. What in XAPI do you want to track that SCORM doesn't track currently? Mm-hmm. And when we show them the data model in SCORM, like this is what we can track, they said, well, you know what? That actually fits for what we need. We can track interactions. We can track you know, each response. TinCan makes it a bit easier because it allows you to describe your data model okay. in layman's terms. Like I can say, John answered this question and it was in a PDF. But then reporting on that becomes a lot harder because the vocabulary is whatever you made it. Okay. Right? There's no, I mean, there's rules, but there's, it could be anything. It's like cloud tags. Remember when everybody wanted cloud tags? Yeah. And they wanted to describe data and then search on that? Okay, sure. Okay. You've got all this big data. <laughs> yeah. Here's your cloud tags. Now go search on it. And that's just, just fizzle. <laughs> well, you can do it, but it's, yeah. it costs a lot of money, mm-hmm. right? And a lot of time and resources. I was reading about, CMI5. Yeah, and that is really just came out as an adapter or a communication layer between the LMS and TinCan, right? Because I think, the again, the uptake to go to TinCan was not there. So what happened is because the, the communication between existing legacy systems to this new model was not there. And then, so there needed to be a layer in between to simplify that. So that's where CMI5 really comes in. I'm still not seeing a lot of use in the wild. Interestingly, I listened to a podcast the other day, the Decoder okay. podcast. It's by The Verge. Thanks, Verge. They had the founder of a company called UiPath. Right? UiPath started as a testing company. Okay. So they are testing software using virtual machines. So the same sort of stuff that we do when we're testing, mm-hmm. we run you know, a virtual machine and we do you know, end user testing to make sure things still work. They were doing the same thing. They took that same technology to allow companies to do repetitive tasks because they found that, you know, financial institutions, people, they just can't upgrade their systems. Yeah. The path to do that is just is too expensive. They come in and they can do these repetitive tasks in Microsoft Word or Excel. Like, you know, you're paying people to go and just do input changes in an Excel document for eight hours a day. They're automating this with their own virtual machines. It's amazing. And they can do that. And that's sort of the stopgap in between going to the next thing where 
we need that maybe to go to tin can. Got the it. same sort like you just can't stop what you're doing and switch everything over yeah. to tin can today. However, we do uh, all this talk of SCORM, but every now and then we'll come across a situation, whether it's with a new client or a current client, where they actually don't have SCORM packages. How does Thinking Cap treat that? Well, yeah, so we just create SCORM packages okay. on the fly. You've got a library of PDF documents that you've been using as handouts or mm-hmm. training materials. Upload that to our LMS, to Thinking Cap. We convert that to a SCORM package. We wrap it. We track it just like we would a SCORM package, videos, we do the same thing. We wrap it. We can, cool thing about videos is we can track progress, measure. So if a video is two minutes long, you watch one minute of it, we can report back saying you completed 50%. Okay. Right. Or 75% or whatever the number might be. And it's funny because that's a a lot of the content that goes into our system. We're finding is because it's cost effective Yeah. to create courses is not cheap. Yeah. Again, that's probably, again, why people aren't switching to can. They spent $40,000 to develop a course. They're not going to throw that away. Yeah. Right. So it's not a, it's not a deal breaker. No, you can upload, you know, we're not, you can upload anything. We can track that. We do attestation so we can track offline learning as well. Okay. Right. And we treat it just like a SCORM package when we're doing our reporting and our, our tracking internally. We track it the same way we would a SCORM package. Okay, so it's really it's, uh, transparent. Yeah, we treat everything that you upload as like a single scope package, right? Which is 90% of the content we see going in anyways, where people are bringing courses from Articulate into the system. They're a single scope package. You mentioned a bit earlier content sequencing, and I understand that to be one of the areas where SCORM <laughs> improved. What does this mean? Elaborate, please. So, <laughs> so content sequencing is great. Nobody uses it, and it's okay. unfortunate, right? <laughs> so the score specification in your manifest allows you to create items in the manifest. So your items are basically your topics. Like Think of it like creating your table of contents, yeah. right? And you can define each item. You can define the sequencing and remediation within a single SCORM package so it's reusable instead of having it all built into, like you can do this with articulate and other tools. You can have remediation. You know, if you answer here on this screen, go to that screen. The problem is if you've got 10 screens and you want to reuse those screens in other courses, you got to take them out of that package and copy and paste them where I'm going to date myself. People go back and remember Ruth Clark, the Ruth Clark methodology was I don't remember the Clark. So shareable content objects, <laughs> yeah. right? Scopes, right? So make everything, author everything granular so it can be reused. I like to use think Microsoft products. The lesson on to do file save is the same for every Microsoft product. Yes. So if you write that as a, a single scope, you could reuse that same file save scope in every course package, whether it's Word, Excel, PowerPoint, and then maybe the next package in that SCORM pack or that next item, that next go in that SCORM package would be different, but you could reuse that same object. Yeah. Right. And so that's you, a really good analogy. Right. Like Helps me understand. Yeah. yeah. It's you know, the simplest way to describe it. And so sequencing allows us to say, you know, if item one in this SCORM package, mm-hmm. do I go to two, three, four? Do I complete the course just because I got this one right? Is this one worth 50% of the score? Or 
So all this, you know, the measures, the weights and everything is all part of that. But I haven't seen a multi-scope course in probably 15 years. Everybody's just using off-the-shelf, single-scope, authoring tools for the most part. With that, Campbell, the 20-plus years of experience you have, can you share for our listeners some strategies or approaches you've seen clients use when it comes to SCORE? Really think out your content. What do you want to track, right? What are your goals? What do you want to get out of this learning? What metrics do you want to get from this course? You know, is it, is it a bunch of questions? Do you want to track each question as an interaction? Make sure that the vendor or the tool that you're using understands this and is asking you these questions, right? We get course packages where they don't send the progress measure. Okay. For example, it's a single scope course. So by default, if we don't get a progress measure and it's a single scope course, it's 50% when you launch it, it's 100% when we get it complete. So we have to go back to people and say, no, if you send the progress measure, we can show that progress. If you want to track how people answered each question, make sure those get sent as interactions. Or if you have objectives and you want to know if they've met an objective. So you could have five screens could be a single objective and you can track all of that. But you need to ask the vendors and your, or your content creators need to be asking you and you need to be asking them to make sure you know we're tracking these sorts of things. There's a lot of data out there. There's a lot of possibilities. So you know, maybe familiarize yourself. There's you know, you don't need to read. I mean, I read 500 page manuals <laughs> once a long time ago. There's cheat sheets out there yeah. that you can just, and if you don't understand it, I mean, we'll always answer the questions for you. But even if it's on a napkin, write down the things that you want to track in your course and make sure that the person developing the content for you understands it. Because there's a lot of people out there that says, I can create a course. They're like, they're subject matter experts. Right, but they're not everywhere. The te- they're yeah. not, the, but they're not the technical people, right? Yeah. And then the technical people aren't subject matter experts, yeah. Right, so everybody's got to be on the same page. Yeah, that's really good advice. Really good do's. Any don'ts? I know sometimes we'll see tickets come in to the support department with huge uh, file sizes. Yeah, don't upload a course with a compress yeah i mean this is not score related right this is just general web practice now right compress your videos compress your i mean when i started development you know if you had, if you had a website your page was more than 50 kilobytes you know you <laughs> you were ostracized yeah. Right? yeah so some of those rules still still apply you know things are getting better we're not seeing we're used to everything being on demand and loading quickly but learners aren't going to wait if it takes a while for a video to load we stream things Mm -hmm. because again you're uploading a single course it's a single course package and if you've got 50 videos in it you're waiting for all those videos to upload but that's getting better day-to-day bandwidth it's you know there for everybody but again that comes back to the single scope multi-scope right if you can break that that's one thing that we do to get around this hurdle right or sort of limitation that people are doing so we have learning paths yeah that's our version of multi-scope courses now okay right so bring in your single scope articulate courses and generate a learning path and reuse it that way because the tools aren't there to create multi-scope courses so we can get around that okay so break it up break them up even smaller and use our learning paths you know don't put 20 videos or 20 
or a course that has 50 screens because a student's not going to sit through 50 yeah, screens. Yeah, it's not a great time. user experience. Yeah. Okay. I know personally, if I go to read up on something or to get some training, if it's more than 10 minutes, I'm out. Forget <laughs> yeah. about it. Right. I just, you know, give you're me probably the, about eight minutes longer than most people too. Give me the diagram. <laughs> okay. I got it. Let's go. Yeah. You know, hold yeah. my beer. We're going to go and do this. Yeah. That's about the only advice I can give. <laughs> well, that's good advice, Campbell. And I think it's just wonderful. I know that for our clients, you often work on their tickets. So to put a, a voice to the ticket <laughs> is nice. Um, it's all my fault. Yes. <laughs> I'm so glad you joined us. I hope you can join us again sometime for another topic to come. And thank you, of course, to our listeners. And be sure to subscribe to the supporting cast wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much for listening.